When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Sports Complex ah! of the Horn. Welcome back to the Sports Complex on a Wednesday afternoon uh, on the show today. We will recap Texas taking care of business in Oklahoma, getting yet another win in Norman for the Longhorns men's basketball team. Women's basketball team taking on Oklahoma tonight. Get into some other Big 12 basketball action, some NBA action. A coach firing and hiring has happened in the NBA. More trades expected soon. And all three Texas teams in action tonight. Talk some NFL as well as the coaching carousel creaks along. He's expecting an announcement today. It didn't come. That's okay. We'll keep rolling along. It may come during the show. Who knows? They're on California time, not on Texas time. So they may be waiting. Who knows? We'll get into all of that. And, of course, your text messages, 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776 is the text line number for you guys out there. If you want to join the conversation, you got something that's on your mind in sports you want to put out there, whether it's a take on Texas men's basketball, something in the NBA, a trade you want to see, a team you don't believe has what it takes, anything you want to talk about, NFL, you got a big a uh, hot take for the games this weekend, a coach where you think they should end up, send that in on the text line because you guys drive the show. I just try to keep it on the rails. And, uh, of course, we'll have the Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the day later, too. But uh, text line's open, 512-447-3776. We try to get to everybody here on the Sports Complex. I will let you know if I yelp at any point during this show, or hear me grimace in pain, I have a very minor injury that is that is causing me no, it's it's drained so much of my will to live. It is a such a minor thing, and it's killing me. So, like two weeks ago, I somehow sprained my thumb or something to that effect, and I had to wear a brace for a little while. Uh, it was it was annoying. Maybe this was a, three weeks ago. It was over Christmas. I had that, and so it took a while, and I couldn't use my thumb very well, and it was a lot of pain in my hand. 
but it, I wear a brace for a while. It gets better. They think, cool, that wasn't like major carpal tunnel where I'm going to have to, this is going to be a problem forever. That's fine. And now the same thumb, I now have an ingrown finger down. I know that's it's fun talk while you're driving in your cars or whatever you're listening on, but it is an intense amount of pain. And in a hand, in a finger, in a thumb where uh, you just don't think how much you use it, and then everything I do today and have done for the past two days is just causing immense pain. This is day three of it, and I am just sapped of everything going in because I'm just continually using it like I normally use my thumb, even though it's throbbing with pain right now and nothing. So if you guys have home remedies other than just cutting off my thumb, I, I've thought about it in these past couple of days, but I think it'll be better sooner than uh, cutting off my thumb. Uh, let me know on the text line because uh, I'm dying over here. I'm dying. But uh, who wasn't dying? Bad transition. Who wasn't dying? <laughs> was the Texas Longhorns headed up to take on number 11 Oklahoma last night in Norman. A big game for Texas as their struggles early in the Big 12 play uh, with a loss to West Virginia, a loss to UCF, a loss to Texas Tech, two of those at home. Uh, They actually do have a a couple road wins. They get the big win uh, on Saturday over Baylor. They then continue that taking it on the road to Oklahoma, a big win over Oklahoma, and done in a fashion that looked like Texas was the better team. Uh, against Baylor, is one of those matchups. Those matchups are always close. Texas is able to close out uh, against Oklahoma, win the game 75-60, to make it to be where in the second half they were able to pull away and keep away, which is big. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, a couple things that stand out in that game. We talk about rebounding and hitting threes. That's what you. I've, I've told you again. If they, if they can rebound and hit threes, they'll be okay. Now they didn't hit a ton of threes. They hit eight, but they went eight for eighteen. That's forty-four percent from the three-point line. That type of percentage, taking good threes, is going to help you. They shot fifty percent from inside the arc as well. That field goal percentage, that three-point percentage against a really good defensive Oklahoma team, that type of play will help you win a lot. And rebounding, they out rebound Oklahoma forty to twenty-four. That is a big advantage in rebounding and a big advantage for this Texas team that allows you to have a few to make up for a few more mistakes that were made, especially early in this game, the turnovers early in this game. Uh, Texas ends up with 13 turnovers. Uh, points off of turnovers for Oklahoma is 16. Their fast break points are 15, but a lot of that's in the first half. A lot of that gets cleaned up pretty early on for Texas. They figure out the problems that they're having. Uh, we did get to see Chris Johnson come back into this game. Uh, didn't particularly do a lot of great things. Ends up basically coming in and pretty quickly turning the ball over for a fast break the other way. Picks up the foul on the fast break and uh, is summarily taken out of the game. We want to see him get some more action. I'm a big fan of Chris Johnson getting some action because you need to keep building up that bench depth. Uh, however, in those types of games, it's just hard when you're going to be playing against some of these Big 12 defenses that see a freshmen come into the game especially one that has not gotten a lot of playing time and the coaches will go attack them play them as hard as you can they're not going to get a call so you're going to be able to get a turnover a lot easier out of them it's just hard to put them in the big 12 would like to see him play a little bit more in non-con play uh but we're going to see him continue it is clear that rodney terry is making an effort to get him into these games uh and then if it's not working he's going to pull him out but he's making an effort uh, we did get to see Dylan Mitchell show what he could do. I like the Fran Frischilla, uh comparison to 
to Dennis Rodman in the game. Uh, it's not a one-for-one one comparison, clearly, at all. But the what he can do and when he plays his best game to not be so much of a person that has trouble spacing the floor, but someone who can drive the paint, someone who can get on fast breaks, someone that moves around a lot, knows how to set screens properly, had some good little plays uh, with his two assists that he was able to get around. And when he catches the ball, basically catch it, move quickly, and keep the ball moving. So even if the defender doesn't rotate off him, they have to rotate with him because now he's moving. So even if you're helping on somewhere else or trying to do something else, you have to keep moving with him because once he starts moving, all he's got to do is cut to the basket and they throw a lob up, and now he becomes an easy score. So using Dylan Mitchell more in that sense, and then the 13 rebounds in the game as well, clearing up on the boards, not allowing uh, Oklahoma to get offensive rebounds, very big for Texas. Dylan DeSue, we talked about before the game, could not get in foul trouble, ends up with only two fouls. That's a big piece of it. Ends up so he's able to play 34 minutes in the game, gets 19 points and 10 rebounds, his first double-double, but a lot of that comes from now that the minutes restrictions seem to be lowered on him, that he's not really playing. Uh, he's not playing with a minutes restriction and the fact that he is going to be able to stay out of foul trouble, if he's able to do that, then we'll see more double-doubles from Dylan DeSue. He just hasn't been able to put those two things together of playing a 30-plus minute game and staying out of foul trouble. He was able to do that against Oklahoma as well. Uh, Max Smith again, plays a really good game. He becomes really important down the stretch for this Texas team. Team also, let's mention, shoots free throws really well in this game. you got to do that. Uh, especially when you're in a matchup where you shoot 18, they shoot 17. You shot better than one of the best free-throw shooting teams in the Big 12. Go 15 for 18 from the three-point range. Uh, And we can mention, 10 minutes left in the game, Texas goes on a run. Texas is able to start to pull away on this game a little bit. Basketball is a game of runs for the most part, so you see with 10 minutes left in the game, Texas starts to pull away a bit more from this Oklahoma team. And I think the real important part is not necessarily that 10-minute that mark where they went on the run and were able to pull away. For me, it was around the 6.5-minute mark. But the 6.5-minute mark, when Texas is up 10 or 11, you see Rodney Terry start to slow the game down for Texas offensively. And there's two things that can happen there, and the only one of them did. With, with the one part of it, when you do that, there's two things. One of them's okay, the other is unacceptable. But when you start to slow the ball down, you're gonna your your percentage your shot percentage is gonna go down because you're you're not necessarily getting into the offensive flexes you can. The defense has time to rest. The defense has time to set those types of plays. It just makes it a lot harder to score when you allow a defense to completely set and rest and plan and and then double off on you. It just makes it harder to get to be at points. You have a guy like Max A. Smith now who can score on those buckets, and that's huge. On those possessions, to have a Max Acemas, that's where he's going to become very valuable for Texas when the game gets slowed down. Dylan DeSue, also a big part of that, that if you get him the ball with five to seven seconds left, he may be able to make something happen for you, having those two guys play well down the stretch. But the other thing that can happen, and I was definitely worried about it, but Texas was able to hold strong, is when you start to slow down the offense, the defensive effort tends to slow down with it. You see a lot of times where a coach goes, goes switches to a, a slowdown offense. We want to run time off the clock. Well, now the urgency picks up on the other side, and your urgency does not stay at a level defensively. It's hard to mentally go from being on one end of the, one end of the court and standing there 
and maybe cutting every once in a while, but really kind of resting to immediately back in defensive stance, cutting, making sure you're making the right mental decisions of over and under screens. And it helped that Oklahoma missed some shots there at the end for sure because they did get some opportunities, but Texas was able to keep enough pressure that they got some big turnovers, they got some big stops. The rebounding didn't stop. The rebounding didn't stop at all. That is another huge factor for them is when you come down in those end-of-game scenarios and you do get a stop or you get a lucky and you get a miss, which happened a few times, you rebound the basketball. Texas did that in that game, and it allows Texas to walk away with the win. But I've saved the best for last for you guys because the best for last – there's a couple reasons why it's the best for us. One, because he's going to continue to be a big part of Texas team this season. And the best part about it is he seems like he may be the big part of Texas team and success for the next two seasons after this season. Kendall Weaver, we saw him, uh, his, his playing time diminished a bit uh, when they were still trying to play a bigger lineup. They wanted to have more size because the shot blocking was a problem. Points in the paint were becoming a problem against Texas. They were having more of an issue with that. And the solution at the time was try to play Brock Cunningham in that lineup, play a bigger lineup, play Caden Shedrick and, and, and Dylan DeSue. Shedrick, again, gets hurt in that game, uh, plays four minutes, hits the free throws, but doesn't come back in. Uh, they don't need him to, luckily. Uh, but Shedrick only plays four minutes in that game again. Brock Cunningham really only plays 10 minutes. They go with that three-guard lineup in Dylan DeSue and Dylan Mitchell on the court, which seems to be working a lot better than that two bigs and Dylan Mitchell at the three. Dylan Mitchell just plays better at the four, and that allows more time for Kendall Weaver. And, man, did he make the most of it, playing 27 minutes. Uh, he plays almost as much as Tyrese Hunter does, who played well defensively but couldn't get the offense going. Uh, and, and, I mean, when Tyrese Hunter struggles offensively because he's trying to take too many shots and thinking about too much, Kendall Weaver's not thinking, man. And I don't mean that as an insult. I mean that as he is a go forward, and you see him. He'll get in points where he drove, and he's driving the paint. And he wants to get to the basket. Uh, you know, we want to get that three-point shot to go a little bit better. He ends up going 0-for-1. But, man, when you see the energy he brings, three offensive rebounds, those are big ones. He adds 11 points. If you can add him as a scorer, it adds so much more to this team. Kendall Weaver stepping up more and more into the role of the energy guy, of the bench guy, of a guy we saw Jizzle James earlier this year when we were playing Cincinnati and and what he brought to that team off the bench. We've seen it against UCF, and they had some uh, bench guys that were killing Texas because of the energy off the bench that when you start to get tired and a guy is constantly poking at the ball and a guy is constantly jumping over and and for guards on this Oklahoma team, they wanted to run early. Kendall Weaver made it harder for them to get out and run because he constantly attacked the offensive boards. And so you had to put more of guards into the the back into offensive rebounding or defensive rebounding and trying to box out a Kendall Weaver. And you have to keep an eye on him. And star players, offensive star players especially, don't want to be boxing out a bench player when they want to be running on a fast break and creating offense. It's just what it is, and I get it, but you have to do those types of things. Kendall Weaver makes that mismatch, and even when he can't be an elite scorer for this Texas team, what he brings on the other end of the court defensively, effort-wise, and that rebounding, and just creating enough chaos as a young man, sophomore out of UT Arlington. He wasn't recruited very heavily. He's got a lot to prove. Just a sophomore for Texas, Kendall Weaver, plays 27 minutes in that game, adds you 11 points on on top of it all, that if he didn't even score those 11, it would be big. He has a, a, a huge putback dunk at a big time for Texas as well. 
He just continues to make big plays for Texas and has been a big piece of, you know, energy creates energy on the court. And hard play and diving for balls makes everybody else want to get into that more. And sometimes it's hard to be the guy to go out there and do that within control. He picks up three fouls, but three fouls is okay for a guy like him because he played 27 minutes and three fouls. I'll take that every day of the week. Uh, you know, you need to see him. He gets to the free throw line, hits three of four as well. Just everything Kendall Weaver did in that game is what you want to see more and more of. He will become more of a factor in game planning against Texas. He, he will have struggles as the season goes on because he is a young guy. He's not going to be immune to uh, having people start to target him a bit more on the offensive end and the defensive end and if he doesn't hit his threes they'll start to find a problem with him and Dylan Mitchell and helping off of them but that drive and with his intensity uh, just a huge addition for this Texas team and a great guy for RT to go out and find uh, to bring into this team to bring a spark when you don't necessarily you know when you lose a lot of players uh, due to you know graduation and you don't necessarily have the bench and you don't have that Serge Barry Rice or you know you can't bring in some of these other players they've had, a Christian Bishop who meant so much to this team. You need to bring in a good energy guy like a Kendall Weaver. Meant a lot for Texas. Helps them get the 75-60 to 60 win over Oklahoma. Things don't slow down for Texas. They play number 9 Baylor. They play number 11 Texas. They go on this weekend to play uh, number 5 Houston. Then I believe it's uh, number 21 BYU. They got, I mean, they are just nonstop playing teams. This is what this conference is in the Big 12. You have to continue to play really good teams week after week, and they have different things. You're playing a Houston team that is built on defense and a BYU team that's built on offense. You have to be able to affect everything. You play the Cincinnati team who wants to beat you down low. You're going to play, you know, you play an Oklahoma team that's not necessarily trying to beat you down low. They're trying to shoot on top of you. Uh, there's just a lot that goes into playing in the Big 12, uh, but Texas seeming to find ways to improve their record in the Big 12. Uh, Texas, uh, then some other Big 12 games happening after Texas gets the win. We get to see Houston versus BYU last night. Houston gets the win, uh, 75-68 to over BYU. LJ Cryer breaks out of a funk he has been having, gets up 23 points. But their other senior they expect a lot from. Jamal Sheed only goes 6-for-19. Houston's offense has not been able to figure it out quite yet. They do get the points against a BYU uh, offense that's really... The defense for BYU hasn't been that good this year. They're a good offensive team. Houston is able to hold them to 68, which should tell you how good the offense is. That Baylor, you know, Houston is just a really good defensive team. They still put up 68 on them. Uh, but it is a different uh, matchup for Houston. Is We know that the game they played against UCF over the weekend, they went in and there was they fouled a ton. Uh, this game, they didn't really foul that much. They were able to play a little bit better defense. They allowed some more points, but it wasn't – uh, the physical type of game that they played against UCF, they played a little bit more finesse, still get the win uh, against BYU, 75-68. to 68. We will get to see another big game tonight. Kansas State is at number 23, Iowa State. Uh, you're, the big thing you're watching for in tonight's game is turnovers, especially for Kansas State. Iowa State forced 27 turnovers against TCU on Saturday. K-State's been doing about 17 or 18 a game. Uh, could that number balloon up and cost K-State against Iowa State? Uh, who's plays pretty good defense. Their offense is not completely there. Kansas State has a good team, had to rebuild a lot after losing a couple guys to the draft last season. Uh, but they are rebuilding in K-State, and Jerome Tang is a really good coach, so we'll see how they build up there. Moving over to the NBA, 
We saw the big news today that we knew was coming. It was most likely coming after Adrian Griffin was uh, let go from the Milwaukee Bucks and fired, we should say, from the Milwaukee Bucks after going uh, 30 and 33 and 13 or 30 and 13 uh, to start the season. Uh, he was fired. The more and more reports you're hearing about it was basically they hired Adrian Griffin before they got Dame Lillard. They feel their window is pretty short, that he was not being he was not the head coach that was going to take him to that next level. The defensive numbers are down, which of course they are. You traded Giroux Holiday for Dame Lillard. You traded away one of the best defenders, perimeter defenders in the league for a guy who doesn't really want to play defense. And he will a little bit more in the playoffs, but in the regular season, he does not want to. So he's not going to. So you you basically gave up one of the best for a guy who doesn't want to play at all. Of course, and then you wonder why. Well, our offense went up, but our defense went way down. You also got rid of a coach who runs a great system of defense and hope to fix that. They bring in Doc Rivers. I don't know if this is the fix they think it is. Uh, you know, for Doc Rivers, he played basketball at Marquette. Uh, so Milwaukee's kind of a homecoming for him. It, it'll be an interesting fit to see how well he can mesh with this team in the next couple of weeks, I know he'd been kind of a uh, unofficial advisor for them, but it is a it's a weird fit for a guy that is being hailed as this builder of champions, but he has one championship team, and that was kind of put together by Danny Ainge. We know that he has made players play better. We've seen him make play make players in in L.A. and at the Clippers that they played above what they had been playing at before. We know that he got a star like James Harden to play more in a team format. We know that he took Joel Embiid from a guy who had a lot of potential to an MVP player. Wasn't able to get him to perform in the playoffs, but he got him to where he is now. Uh, He took a Tyrese Maxey and helped him get to the next level. So there is development that he may be able to take some of these other pieces on the Bucs and get them to step up, but I don't know if Dame Lillard is going to walk in and see Doc Rivers and go, now I'll try on defense. I don't know if this is the fit that they think it is where if you said, okay, well, you're bringing in Tom Thibodeau and he's just going to bitch Dame until he plays defense and we'll go with that and we're just going to you know, lean on Giannis more, I, I just don't see I, – I don't know if this is the hire they think it is. And they're paying a lot of money because they're paying Adrian Griffin now. They're paying Mike Budenholzer now, and now they're also paying Doc Rivers however much money they got him to leave ESPN where he didn't have to coach and could just talk about basketball and make all the money. So with all that being said, this does not seem to me like a hire of, oh, it's a home run hire. Oh, this will fix things. I get, you know, this the, the one they're comparing it to is when the Cavs fired David Blatt when LeBron came back and they hired Ty Lue and they win. I just, I'm not going to compare Dame coming in versus LeBron coming in. Like, I like Dame Lillard, but his basketball is not necessarily playoff centered basketball because he doesn't want to play necessarily the defense and doc rivers is not known as the playoff coach i don't know i'm not sold on this move yet for for the bucks but we'll see if the defense improves it, it just goes to the same thing i'll say about the mavs all the time don't hire a defensive minded coach and hire all, and then go sign all offensive players it's about team building if you want to play defense sign defensive players and then ha- it's easier to teach somebody offense than to care about defense it just is Look at Kawhi Leonard. That's what the Spurs did. They said, we'll go out and draft who we feel could be the best defensive player in the league and Kawhi Leonard, and we'll teach him how to play offense because offense is fun. Everybody wants to do it. So we can teach him offense. It's really hard to get a guy who's already set in his ways and does what he does to care enough 
to go out there and fall on the floor and and you know fail over and over again and and get the blisters on your feet trying to play defense and moving and and then losing your feet at the end you losing your your legs at the end of the game it's just a much harder thing so don't trade away Drew Holiday to fix a problem and then wonder why that problem is still there or the problem is a new one because you got rid of defense it seems like this may be a problem that I'm not sure this works out, and this may spell the end. This feels like they're grasping at straws to keep Giannis happy, and Giannis just isn't happy in Milwaukee right now. And I don't know if Doc Rivers coming in is going to make Giannis the happiest man in the world, at least for next season and the season after. And that seems to be what they're grasping at straws right now in Milwaukee. Uh, A couple games tonight to check out. Before we go to break, the Trailblazers are at the Rockets. Portland was on day two of a back-to-back. Uh, Rockets been pretty good at home. They're sixteen and seven at home. However, they three and seven in the last ten games. It, you know, I think this is a good turnaround game for uh, the Rockets. Expect Shingoon to go up heavy tonight. Uh, the Trailblazers are pretty bad in the paint, uh, playing defense in the paint and playing off uh, playing defense in the paint. And the Rockets are really good at scoring in the paint. So this could be one where the Rockets put up a lot of points near the basket. Neither team shoots threes particularly well. Uh, so depending on the defense, what's going to depend on what Shingun can do defensively, but I think the Rockets can get a big win here. They're 10.5-point favorites. Can they cover 10.5 is a question. I think they can. Uh, Suns are 2.5-point favorites at the, Mav- at the Mavs. The big news for the Mavs here, we'd be love. Luka and Kyrie are both game-time decisions, assuming they play. Uh, we'll talk about shots at the rim again. Suns don't do it a lot. Shot- the Suns are a three-point shooting team, a, a jump shooting team. And Jason's kid defense can deal with that pretty well. They're just not really good at defending around the rim. So could be a good matchup for the Mavs. I would put them uh, as uh, being able to cover here two-and-a-half-point two-and dogs. And the Thunders, uh, Thunder are seven-and-a-half-point favorites at, at the Spurs. Uh, OKC plays better defense on the road. The Spurs play worse defense on the road. OKC's coming at it. I'll tell you this. It's going to be a heck of a game to watch. For Wimby versus Chet, that'll be a fun thing to watch. That's worth the price of admission, uh, Wimby versus Chet. But I don't see the Spurs pulling this one out. We'll see if they're able to go. Uh, Trey Jones is a game-time decision for the Spurs. All right, let's get to Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day. Talk a little NFL with you guys here on the text line. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day on the Horn. 512-447-3776, whatever you guys want to talk about. If you've got some takes on Texas versus Oklahoma, we'll get to the text line coming up in just a minute. But let's get to the big fat poll of the day today with the coaching carousel moving around. Some people getting a little bit closer to where we think they may end up. You maybe have somebody that you think is going to end up somewhere else. So we're going to ask this question now. We'll ask it again once the carousel is closed and we know all our people. But I want to ask it now to see how much you change your opinions and where you where your heads are at right now, guys. Which new coach in the NFL will have the most wins next season? So we're assuming that Harbaugh is going to the Chargers. Does he do well? If we're assuming Bill Belichick goes to the Falcons, how does he do in the NFC South? If you assume if you assume Dan Quinn goes to Seattle, can he turn around Seattle and get them playing at a very high level? Or do you, you hate Dan Quinn now and you don't want him to be in there? Does Raheem Morris get a gig in your mind and he's able to get some things going? Does Mike Vrabel get a job? Does he get a job and he starts winning right away? Tell me which coach do you think will get the most wins next season in the NFL? I'd love to hear your opinions on some of the stuff because we're going to talk about where coaches may end up a little bit in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll get into that. Uh, but until then, let's get uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and uh, hit up some NFL talk 
here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019, AM1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons on The Horn. Back on the Sports Complex on a Wednesday afternoon. Some James Brown there. Get your Wednesday rolling right along. I'm hoping that this weather moves out today. It's been, uh, it's nice to go to sleep too. It's nice to go to sleep to the weather, but other than that, not a lot of uh, positives of just having dreary, rainy weather, foggy. Couldn't see more than, you know, 10 feet in front of me in the car when I was driving last night. You got to be able to, you know, be looking for the sun to come out a little bit, get out and walk the dog, have a little bit more fun. Uh, looking forward to that. But uh, text on top at 5.2-447-3776 on a Wednesday afternoon here on Sports Complex. If you guys will have any takes for Texas basketball, the NBA, the hiring of Doc Rivers, the trade deadline, send those in on the text line. Anything else you got for us? We're going to talk some NFL as well. The big fat poll of the day. Which new coach in the NFL will have the most wins next season? I know they haven't all been hired, so you may have to take a guess. We'll ask you again once everybody's been hired, but I thought this would be fun thought experiment for everybody to do. If you if you think, okay, well, it's going to be Bill, it's going to be Jim Harbaugh, the two easy choices. Maybe you think Mike Vrabel goes somewhere, get some good wins. Maybe a Raheem Morris, Bobby Slowick, a big name, a big target out there. We'll get into all of that. And we, uh, we'll talk some more about coaching uh, vacancies and some possible people have been uh, possible candidates who have taken a second interview. We'll get to that. I do want to play you some sound from uh, Hook 'em Up with Ian Robbie talking about the big playoffs happening this week in conference championships. We know our teams aren't in, but you know we'll still watch. It's still football, right, guys? Still football. Play Hook 'em Up replay here on the Sports Complex. All right, let's start getting ready for these uh, AFC and NFC title games coming up this weekend. Time to start previewing these matchups. The first one, let's go to the AFC side of things because I don't think a lot of people realize how good that Ravens defense is. Now, 
Patrick Mahomes can pretty much uh, solve any defense, and um, he is the best quarterback in the league. So I would not have put it uh, out of the realm of possibility that he has a great game and shows up this Ravens defense and leads the Chiefs to a win. That would not shock me. But this Ravens defense, they are the first defense since the 1970 merger to lead the NFL in scoring defense, sacks, and takeaways. And they've had some great defenses, right? You've had the Baltimore defense from the 2000s, 02 Bucks. Uh, hell, you've had the 85 Bears, all-time great 2013 Seahawks, all-time great defenses who haven't led the NFL in scoring defense, sacks, and takeaways. Uh, even that Eagles defense last year was considered a really good defense. Remember, they had 70 sacks in the regular season, led the NFL in sacks. They were a good defense, and Patrick Mahomes lit them up. <laughs> uh, ended up scoring 38 points in a great Super Bowl. Uh, but that, that Eagles defense did not make a lot of plays against Patrick Mahomes, and they were not able to stop or defend him very well. Um, and this season, Patrick Mahomes has fewer weapons, right? That's been the big complaint or criticism of the Chiefs this year is that their wide receiving core, maybe the weakest wide receiving core that Patrick Mahomes has had. So this rant I want to get into, Patrick Mahomes is – history versus top defenses elite defenses because that's what he's going to face versus the ravens on the road by the way even more important so um since patrick mahomes and lamar jackson became starters in 2018 this is kind of where the uh, the research started so patrick mahomes is 12 and 2 uh, in his career against defenses or in that time span against defenses that rank in the top 15 in points allowed per drive Ravens are number one right now in points allowed per drive. In those uh, 14 games, Mahomes averaged 7.9 yards per pass attempt, 316 passing yards per game, and the Chiefs averaged 28 and a half, almost 29 points per game. It's a pretty good number. Uh, Mahomes scored 42 points in the playoffs against Buffalo's number one defense in 2021 uh, and 44 points in the regular season against San Fran's number one defense in 2022. The only top five defense to hold Mahomes and the Chiefs under 20 points was the 2021 Cowboys, who uh, lost a game 19-9 to in Kansas City. Mahomes' only two losses to elite defenses statistically were at home against the Bills in 2021, 38-20, and at home uh, and against the Bills in the regular season in 2022, 24-20. He's 7-0 against, uh, if you look at it, against elite scoring defenses, scoring, just in terms of scoring defenses, in games played away from Kansas City which this game will be played in Baltimore. And he's 6-2 and two against teams that have allowed fewer than 300 points in a season, and he scored at least 20 points in every game. So he's got some success versus elite defenses, but I will admit his stats are not efficient. If you look at the top five defenses he's played, 27 touchdowns, 16 interceptions in those 14 games. So, I mean, that's for him, for Mahomes, that is a glaring uh, – disparity of 27 touchdowns, 16 interceptions is usually his touchdown interception ratio is much better than that. So he, they, they do make some plays or at least they get some splash plays and some takeaways against Patrick Mahomes. We'll see how he does against this Ravens defense. He has three, his first three matchups against the Ravens. Uh, if you go look at that's included in that sample size of those 14 games from um, he shredded Baltimore, 377 yards, 374 yards, and 385 yards passing. And the Chiefs scored 27, 33, and 34 points. Different Chiefs squad, different Baltimore defense as well. So that's something to consider. This defense, this is the best defense that Patrick Mahomes has played this season. This is one of the best defenses, if not the best defense potentially, that he's played in his career.
it's in that category. It's in that conversation. So that is uh, that would be a concern. But I I don't trust the, the the wide receivers for the Chiefs. I haven't trusted them all year long. I do wonder how they're going to hold up against this uh, Ravens secondary. One thing to uh, keep in mind about the Ravens, though, the Ravens, they have uh, basically they've beaten their playoff teams, their opponents who have been playoff teams this year, by an average of 14 points. The 7-3 in those 10 games where they played a playoff team. 3-4, and four, though, in close games. Now, three and four in games that are close games that come down to the fourth quarter, one possession in the fourth quarter, and they've blown more leads, three of them, than they have game-winning drives. So that is something to consider. If the Kansas City Chiefs can make it a fourth-quarter game, one possession game in the fourth quarter, we haven't seen the Ravens respond really well in those situations. And I got a, I got a feeling that it's going to become a one-score game, one game in the fourth quarter but that is not what the Ravens, that is not their M.O. They have been blowing teams out. Even the Texans, that was a tight game at halftime. I thought Texans may make, make this a fourth quarter game. They did not. Third quarter, the Ravens pull away. So the Ravens haven't had a lot of games that come down to the fourth quarter, and when it has, they've, that's where most of their losses are. Yeah, and they're getting better because let's all remember, they were installing a brand-new offense. And yes. They don't play much in the preseason. So, uh, but it does feel right now that they're hitting their stride as far as you know, the, the, the defense numbers you just gave, which are ridiculous, uh, but the offense just keeps evolving uh, with mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson and what he can do. So you can, that's where you blow people out, right? You're not giving up points and you're forcing turnovers and sacks, and then your offense is really hard to get off the field. Uh, I mean, they've got the, – the Ravens, Rod, have nine wins of 14 points or more against winning teams. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Nine times. This is the parody league, Rod. This is a league of parity. It has come down to a field goal most of the time. They've, they've beaten nine winning teams by 14 points or more. I know. But they oh, also – I agree, and, and I'm with you because when they put their foot on the gas or foot on your throat, they, they don't let up. But they have. I know, four times, three times, three yes, times. Yes, right? Times. They've, and, this, and since they started to 2022 – the Browns, to the Colts. Yeah, this is actually something that's been plaguing them since the start of last season or two seasons ago in 2022 – because they've blown seven multi-possession leads since the start of 2022. Seven of them. Yeah. And three of them, like you said, have come this season. So there's something about them being in a one-score game. Remember, this is an issue with the 49ers because they're a front-runner. Right? The 49ers are a team that likes to be a front-runner. And prior to that game-winning drive for Purdy, in the situations where they were down in the fourth quarter, with you know, down five to eight points in the fourth quarter of games, Shano hadn't been able to break. Oh, and thirty. Yeah, this is the first time that they actually did break through. So it's it's all about your the way you win. Think about the Packers were kind of like this because the Packers were the best first quarter team this this season, and and what were they doing in the playoffs? First quarter. Yeah, dominating early. <laughs> right? yeah. Dominating early. So some teams just have a they have a certain style that they play, and for the Ravens, their style is like the 49ers, We are front runner. We're going we're gonna to blow you out. We're going to find a way to blow you out in the first half or in those first three quarters. But if it is a fourth-quarter game, one possession, I get a little nervous if I'm a Ravens 100%. fan. 100%. I mean, that, yeah, that's got to be the Andy Reid recipe here, yeah. is, especially with Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. Guys, you know, whether the Mike Tyson storm and get this thing there to the fourth go. quarter and see yep. if the, the best quarterback in the world can, can, can get us there. Because that's you're right. The, the, you know, Baltimore has four losses this year. One of them was week 17 against Cleveland, which we don't count, or Pittsburgh, because they didn't start any. No one, the starters didn't play. Yep. But the three where they did, 
there are three other losses to the Colts, the Steelers, and the Browns. You could argue were more their mistakes in the fourth quarter than anything the other team did. Meltdowns. I came in talking about that Steelers game where they had a punt blocked for a touchdown. The, that was the game where all the receivers kept dropping passes from Lamar Jackson that would have been big plays or touchdowns. Like They had four or five just drops in the game, and, and the, the Steelers ended up winning the football game. Uh, but in the nine winning teams they played, Rob, they beat the Lions by 32, the Niners by 14, the Dolphins by 37, the Browns by 25, the Texans by 16 and 24, the Seahawks by 34, the Jags by 16, and the Bengals by 14. Yeah. All winning teams. Yeah, exactly. They, <laughs> either they're going to blow you out, but if, they, if you can avoid the blowout. Yes. If you just can avoid the blowout, you got a shot. Baltimore's only win that produced the winning points in the fourth quarter or overtime was that punt return that they had yeah, against, against the, Rams the Rams in week 14. That's it. That's the only win this season that produced winning points in the fourth quarter. And you if you win. get to the fourth quarter, one possession, you got a real shot. Because they not they don't even know how to play those games. They haven't played them in well, a long time. And when they have played games like that in the fourth quarter, they've lost them. Well, and I, I think we've heard the stories now. We heard from Lamar Jackson. I think that's why he was so vocal in the locker room against Houston. You know, quit letting this team hang around with us, y'all. Quit yeah, letting this team hang right. around with us, y'all. Yeah. And they came out and they took care of business. And now – Houston, Kansas City is a different animal than Houston. Yes, they are. Um, but either way, this, is, this has been the best team in the league all year long. Uh, and they're, if they can put one more game on the board, they'll be in the Super Bowl. But you're playing the best quarterback on the planet. So that's why this game will be highly rated, Rod. A lot of people tune in to see this matchup of that defense and Lamar Jackson against that coach. And let's not forget the Chiefs have the, probably maybe the number two defense. And the Chiefs this year have allowed the fewest second-half points of any team in the league. That's good stuff. So yeah. they will make adjustments. Exactly. And that, Which, will, that will help them keep in the game. Yes. That's another way that kind of – that fits this matchup really well, that they can weather the storm, and then in the second half, Kansas City can make the proper adjustments, make it a one-score game, uh, one-possession game, I should say, in the fourth quarter. Uh, okay, one other quick little nugget here uh, since we're uh, previewing this matchup that I want to throw out there. The, uh, the, you talk about the Chiefs defense. The Chiefs defense, is, this game can, may come down to pressure, just who can uh, pressure the opposing quarterback the best. The Ravens lead, lead the NFL in sacks. I told you guys that earlier. But they faced uh, 634 pass attempts, so their pressure rate is 23rd in the NFL. They get pressure less than 20% of the time. The Chiefs were second with 57 sacks. <laughs> but they faced 556 pass attempts. Their pressure rate, second highest in the league at 20, almost 28% pressure rate overall. Second highest, I believe, behind the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys actually led the NFL in pressure rate. So Chiefs, second in sacks, but second also in pressure rate. Ravens, first in sacks, but 23rd in pressure rate. So that, that's actually a compliment to Mike McDonald. Remember I told you guys against the Texans, they had 12 different guys to get a pressure. Yeah. They get at least one pressure, and they didn't have any sacks. No, they didn't. They didn't have any sacks. Or any, any interceptions for it. Or any interceptions. They just were able to uh, just really discombobulate CJ, rush him, uh, hurry him a lot of the times. Um, but they, they get really creative about how they apply pressure, and they don't necessarily do it a lot, but when they do, they, they cash in with those sacks. 100%. Good stuff there from Hook'em Up with Nina Robbie. Weekday morning, 6 to 11, right here on The Horn. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. Get to the text line, 512-447-3776 is the text line number. Big fat poll of the day today. Which new NFL coach will have the most wins next season? I know they haven't all been announced. In fact, not many of them. I believe just one. But uh, if you guys, or two, actually have been announced, uh, if you guys believe that somebody like Bill Belichick is going to the Falcons or that... 
Uh, Jim Harbaugh is going to the Chargers, and maybe those guys, maybe you know where Vrabel's going to go. You got to take like that, send that in, and uh, who do you think will have the most wins as a new NFL head coach next season? All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get to the text line on the Horn, 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons, only on the Horn. Back on the sports complex here in the Horn on a Wednesday afternoon, playing songs all week, supporting uh, that is National Blood Donors Appreciation Week for everybody out there who donates blood. Uh, if you if you haven't done it in a while, go out there and give it another shot, give another blood donation. A uh, very good thing you can do to help out a lot of people around the country. Uh, always always need more blood is what they say. They always need more. So uh, good thing you can do there. Uh, text lines open, 512-447-3776. Uh, we'll hit some now. We'll hit some at the top of the hour, too, when we reset, get to some NFL talk, uh, and uh, get to the coaching carousel, who's been hired, the names that are starting to float around. We're seeing some second interviews as well. We'll get to all that in hour number two here at 5 o'clock. Uh, text lines open. Nate says, I know what happened. Good thing you didn't go blind, too. Nate, I hate to tell you, it's on my left hand. I'm a right-handed guy. And I still, I didn't even know, I don't use my left hand for a ton. I'm not very coordinated my left hand. Was never good at the, the left-handed layup line, doing the offhand layup. I was never good at it. it. took me forever to learn that. I Just see me out in my driveway, just layup line, just trying to hit left-handed layups. Pathetic. But yet, somehow, it, it constant pain. Constant pain. Uh, if you miss that, then I have an ingrown fingernail. Appreciate it, Locksmith Ryan. I may try that. It's at the bottom of the nail, though, so I don't know if I can get into it and get to where... It is, but it is, it's quite painful. It is very annoying, but I appreciate the uh, the tip there, Locksmith. Ryan, Jan said, uh, P- PD, we won. Where are the haters now? Freak Nasty says, thank you, Patrick. We need more Weaver. And, I mean, we need Weaver what we saw last night. 27 minutes is around what we need Kendall Weaver. Uh, that's a really good game. I think 20 to, 20 to 25, and then in those games where he's playing really well like he was last night, you pump him up a few more minutes. Uh, especially if IT Horton's not hitting his shots, you need that defense. Then you give him a few more. But I think twenty to twenty-five is where we'll see Kendall Weaver. I like that one. And another texter, don't enter. Can you tell people now? I told you so about RT. I can't. I can't because let's be real. None of this is going to matter if you get bounced in the first round in March. And if you get there and everything goes well, but you don't win the Big 12 tournament, then all those haters will still be there. Everyone's still going. You still have to fix the, a lot of things. As long as Trey Johnson shows up next year, I think a lot of people are going to have to be a little bit more quiet because we bring in a top five talent uh, in the in the in recruiting. It helps you a lot. Uh, and we've seen the fil- the film of him in high school. He is killing it right now. But I'm not going to – we're not celebrating because they still – look, they, they have two big games on Sunday, on Saturday and Monday against Houston and BYU, and those are two good schools. And, you know, you want to keep the edge and keep going. I Now, anybody who wants to say 
that they were saying it was a dumpster fire and the team was garbage and they're going to lose every single game the rest of the year and they should have that this is the worst hiring that the Cristel Conte's ever made and all of that that was seem like it's a bit much now but I, I'm not going to go out and say they're I, I notice they're a lot quieter right now I've not gotten a text every day that says Texas is garbage which I did uh, every day uh, up until they started to win a couple of games. So, you know, the people who did not have much faith in this team seem to be quiet, which is good. Hopefully they're cheering for the team. Hopefully they're excited like I am that this team is starting to find its its footing. This team is starting to get there. That Dylan DeSue is now back, a thing that we kept telling you that you need him back because he's one of your best players and, you know, you need him to be playing at that level. Max Asimus and Tyrese Hunter are starting to work together a little bit better. Tyrese Hunter still got to figure out how to, you know, play offense on the road. That's going to be an issue as the season continues on. But, you know, there's a lot of positives you can look at. And, you know, we knew that they needed to make a lineup change. They did. And it seems to be, you know, they seem to be getting the rewards of it now. So I I will not do a victory dance because there's still a ton of work to be done. But it does make me happy that the team that I've been rooting for and the one that I was defending is, is making me not look like an idiot. I appreciate that. I will say thank you to the Texas Longhorns men's basketball team. I know you're not worried about making me not look like an idiot, but I appreciate you uh, making me not look like an idiot. It's it's hard to do at points. I make myself look like an idiot quite easily. Uh, text line still rolling. 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776 is the text line number. Hit us up on there. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back to the top of the hour. Reset and get to some NFL talk here on the Sports Complex and the Horn 1019 and 1260, the Horn app and hornfm.com.